The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. The balance of power is shifting, and in some cases, affiliates are growing larger than the brands they represent. Stay ahead of this and other trends with the Affiliate Marketing Insider. Affiliate Marketing Insider explores the fast-changing world of affiliate marketing from the perspective of one of its most recognized experts. Host Linda Woods leads this ongoing discussion of important industry issues and emerging trends through her own experiences with the whales of the industry, from CEOs to super affiliates to high-impact players. It's time to get inside with the Affiliate Marketing Insider. Here is your host... Welcome to another edition of Affiliate Marketing Insider on WebmasterRadio.fm. I'm your host, Wade Sisson, and I'm happy to welcome to the show today Rebecca Madigan, Executive Director of the Performance Marketing Alliance. We also have with us today Javon Menhas, who is Head of Sales for Media Trust, and Mark Roth, Co-Founder of Offer Vaults. Today we're discussing a hot topic in affiliate marketing, which is fraud and how we can bring it out in the open and deal with it. Rebecca, I know you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, um, thank you, Wade, for having us. Um, I think uh, what, what, you know, I think fraud has been something that people inside the affiliate industry have, have always been aware of. And there's, uh, there's a difference between, you know, really aggressive marketing and, and really bad fraud and, Accidental fraud, you know, someone not realizing that they're breaking the rules and people that are deliberately trying to uh, defraud consumers. And I think, I think the issue that we have in this industry is that a lot of people do not want to quantify or talk about specific issues publicly regarding fraud because I think we're all sensitive to the fact that, that you know, affiliate marketing still has sort of a you know, we get tainted by this bad reputation that it's a channel full of fraud, when indeed it's not full of fraud, and we actually get blamed for types of fraud that we have nothing to do with. But um, by not addressing it openly and transparently and publicly even, we risk the fact of the, the problem getting worse and worse and worse. And, and so we kind of have kept it under under wraps, and I don't think that does the industry any good. And and there are people like our guests on the call, Jeevan and, and Mark, who've actually been really outspoken in the need to bring this topic out into the open so that we can proactively as an industry come to some conclusions and some decisions and some ways to work around and, and solve these problems. So um, I think this is a, a huge trend. It's something that we at the PMA are really f- going to be focused on trying to encourage this dialogue and really, really be transparent. So I, I really thank um, Jeevan and Mark for both of you for, for certainly pushing hard on this topic and, and joining us. Thank you very much, uh, Rebecca. I really appreciate, uh, Wade, also that uh, you're having the, the three of us on your show as well. Um, I agree with uh, Rebecca. I think it it um, you know people have tried to keep fraud under under wraps in our industry, and I think for selfish purposes. Uh, I, I honestly feel, and and I know that 
um, a lot of networks out there benefit from fraud or have benefited from, from fraud in the past to be able to uh, drive legitimate traffic to a particular campaign, but then seed it with incentivized, a certain percentage of incentivized leads or incentivized traffic, um, you know, that they wouldn't necessarily be able to get through if that was 100% of the source of those leads. So eventually an advertiser will catch on. They'll say, hey, you know, we just recently noticed that this last batch of sales or leads that you gave us was, was incentivized or fraudulent, and we can't charge you for that. And I know for a fact that networks have said, well, geez, I'm not sure how that got in there. Um, you know, let's, you know, we'll make sure that never happens again. In the meantime, it's been going on for six months, and that network's made a half million dollars in profit off that. So now it's come to the forefront because it is becoming such a massive issue in this industry that it can't be ignored. And, and it's gotten to the point where advertisers are forcing networks uh, to build fraudulent uh, technologies to look out for fraud and, and charge back a lot of leads. And networks now have to take it uh, seriously because it's becoming a, a real opportunity for them to, or a real possibility for them to lose a lot of business and a lot of clients and have a, a real negative effect on their, on their revenue stream. So, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, this has to be brought up in the open. Uh, I know certain networks are still trying to get away with it. Um, you know, have network-to-network traffic where certain networks will drive fraud to another network's advertiser in the hopes that that network loses that advertiser so they can get them exclusively on the back, on the back end. So there's, you know, there's a lot of underhanded things that go on in this industry, and if you, if you pull the cover off it and you say, here's what's happening, here's what we need to do to clean it up, you know, let's support the PMA to, to build some sort of uh, guidelines and, and, and industry association to blacklist uh, fraudulent publishers, maybe put together a white list if it's possible uh, so people can, can ping against that to, to bring in, uh, you know, you know uh, honest and, and, and good publishers into the industry and really put uh, a real focus on this because I think it absolutely has to happen. And, and with all the regulations that are going to come into this industry because of the spotlight that people like Michael Arrington are putting on it, uh, and, and it's not a very positive spotlight right now. Um, you know, we have to start cleaning ourselves up. Otherwise, when the FTC comes in here and starts examining us, we are going to get regulated, and it's not going to be the way we want it to be. Well, Jeevan, really I, I, mean, I hate to agree it. with you because I know it makes for more exciting conversation when we don't agree on everything, but unfortunately I have to agree with you on a lot of these points. Um, you know, first of all, Let's let's define this as affiliate fraud. I think that's the focus of what we're talking about because fraud obviously has a, a wide range of of who is perpetrating the frauds, and it could range all the way from you know the merchant slash advertiser, you know, to through to networks and through to affiliates. And I think for the most part, what we're talking about here is uh, affiliate fraud. Um, and I think an important point to bring out, especially I think our audience really consists of a lot of affiliates and maybe a lot of uh, newer affiliates that are just learning, um, you know, how to get involved with affiliate marketing. And an important thing that they need to understand is why fraud is such a problem for them, even though they are legitimate affiliates um, and they're just trying to make, make a living and going and doing the right thing. But they have to understand that the reason that they're having such a hard time getting accepted into networks is because the networks are so afraid at this point of letting in fraudulent affiliates. That's the reason. I think that's, that point doesn't get talked about a lot you know, for the newbies, but it's, it's something that, that they need to understand. That it affects everybody because you know, everybody gets start to, starts to get painted with that same brush, and you know, that's why even 
you know, you're throwing out the, ba- the, the baby with the bathwater type of thing. So everybody gets affected because of these this small percentage of fraudulent affiliates. So if we all don't do something about it, then, you know, it affects everybody as far as from an, from an affiliate's perspective. Well, yeah, and, and the fraudulent uh, publisher is taking away traffic and business from the legitimate publisher, too. You know, there's, there's definitely um, stealing of customers going on, too, which I would guess is, you know, considered well, right. also, on the type. Well, right, also, you know, a, a legitimate affiliate could be running an offer and having, you know, good success driving real legitimate traffic to it, and that could be going on for a while, and then, you know, because of some other fraudulent publisher sending fraudulent traffic, the advertiser might decide to take the whole offer down. So there goes your successful and profitable campaign because somebody else was sending bad traffic, and then that spoils it for everybody. So let me ask you a question. What about coupons? You know, <laughs> there's sort of a, a lot of discussion right now about coupon sites. You know, the standard compensation is that the last click gets the compensation. But if it's a coupon site, you know, are they where someone backs out of the shopping cart to go grab a coupon and then they go back in and that coupon gets the, that affiliate coupon affiliate gets the traffic or the credit. Is that fraud or is that just sort of nasty behavior? I I wouldn't define that as fraud. I mean, that's, that's, you know, you know, maybe a gray area, but you know, fraud is definitely a malicious intent to do something that's not true. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that is considered fraud. No. Yeah. Another one. I. I think um, that there's definitely a challenge in, in in really trying to you know come up with a proper business model for the industry when it comes to you know um, this sort of last click wins um, you know sort of a model that we have in the industry. But I think uh, if if a retailer is going to say, hey, you know, this book's going to cost you 10 bucks, but you can get it for $8 if, if you input a coupon code, I think it's just natural for everybody, especially in this, these economic times, to look for a coupon that they can put in there and get their product for, for a couple bucks less. Um, uh, yeah, people who are defrauding, I think that uh, the fraud now is they're organized theft rings, uh, people who have stolen credit cards, uh, you know, people who are sitting overseas, they are actually hiring individuals in North America to sign up uh, publisher accounts on various different networks, such as Media Trust and, and a number of other companies, and pretend like they are an affiliate. Uh, you know, they are aggressively going out there trying to purchase accounts on various different affiliate networks to be able to hopefully, you know, if they have enough accounts on any one particular network, that if they put through a bunch of uh, purchases for a particular product using these false credit cards on four or five different accounts. The hope is that if a couple get caught, the others won't, and they'll end up getting a check for a few thousand dollars or maybe multiples of thousands of dollars uh, down the road, and, and they'll try to keep that scam going for as long as possible. So it's not only the individuals who have stolen the credit cards or are filling in false information on lead gen forms, but it's also those individuals who have literally started a business uh, in North America helping these, in, you know, helping these fraud people get accounts on various different uh, affiliate networks and publisher networks. I mean, that is just as bad because they're part of that whole process. Uh, so for us, uh, our definition of fraud is somebody who is maliciously coming in and either promoting it the wrong way in hopes of getting uh, traffic, incentivizing a non-incentivized offer, and, and, and just putting in false information for either their benefit or, or somebody else's benefit. And it's out-and-out theft at the end of the day. Do we all agree on the definition of what constitutes affiliate fraud? Because it seems to me if 
we're going to regulate it, that's the first step is to agree what it is. Are there, are there gray areas and other things that need to be decided before we move forward? Uh, I think Actually, one I gray area that you could consider is um, people that are using, like, um, these prepaid cards. Um, you know, in, in and of itself, what they're doing is not really uh, illegal because they're using a, a real card, but what what their intention is fraudulent because they're using the card um, to to fill out the, like the shipping and handling to pay for the shipping and handling charge, but they are collecting obviously a much higher payout uh, to do it, and you know that obviously is is a fraudulent intent, even though it's not technically a stolen credit card. I still consider so, that fraud. So Wade, back to your question. You, what's kind of interesting, you know, out and out malicious intent, out and out theft. Does does the violation of the terms of the advertising agreement fall into that? So does, um, uh, you know, let's say uh, the the advertiser is, uh, you know, a a, a diet solution and yet they have, this is is kind of a well-known example, I'll just, the risk of throwing things out, you know, naming names, but Weight Watchers, for example, they have, you know, really strict guidelines that say you cannot use the word diet in any proximity of um, our ads. But yet they could be they could be publishers that are really driving a lot of traffic to Weight Watchers using the term diet. And it, it creates, you know, phony leads or bogus leads. Is, that's, not, that's, not, that's kind of a malicious intent, but it's not really breaking the law, right? No, I would agree. I mean, I don't consider that to be fraud. Uh, I, I consider that to be unethical behavior because they know very well that they shouldn't be bidding on, say, the word, uh, the, 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 the keyword diet if they're promoting this campaign via search. And Nutrisystem says don't use the word diet when you're promoting it on search. Uh, at the end of the day, they're still sending a real consumer uh, who, you know, is looking to buy uh, the Nutrisystem product or become a, a client of Nutrisystem. Uh, for me, I don't, I don't necessarily consider that fraud. I do consider it a violation of the terms and conditions. Uh, because you know you could you could lose a client over uh, unethical behavior like that just as well as you could over fraud or you will over fraud. Um, but I, I, something like that I don't consider as fraudulent because I uh, I don't believe there's intent to drive a bad quality sales or bad quality leads to the to the to the client at the end of the day. But that is definitely gray area. Uh, but uh, the challenge there is that could just as easily lose your client as if driving a thousand you know fraudulent leads could. Yeah, I totally agree. That's more of a you know uh, terms violation than it is a fraud. But as you say, the end result could be similar. Yeah, I mean, to me, fraud is. I mean, go on eBay and and punch in a Cyberry. Um, you know, a lot of these individuals who are using these debit cards that has five dollars on it, so they can pay for the four ninety five shipping and handling to become a part of that quote unquote free trial. Um, exactly. You know, they're, they're essentially doing this en masse. They're buying hundreds, potentially thousands of units of these products from various different networks and advertisers, and then they're reselling them on eBay. So they're coming saying, in eBay, don't pay whatever you're paying uh, direct from the advertiser. Buy it at half the price off eBay. So, you know, these guys are very sophisticated. So they're not just buying these Cyberry pills, and people are like, well, what are they doing with the pills? Like, why would, you know, why would they want to buy a physical product like that? Well, because they're going to throw it up on eBay, and they're going to make thousands and thousands of dollars off it. And, you know, not only are they making the money as a publisher, uh, you know, from the networks, but then they're reselling that product 
through other means to be able to make money that way as well. So they're making money on both ends, and that to me is is complete fraud. Um, and you know, and and that's 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 the real issue in this industry as well as individuals, you know, taking links for for campaigns and pushing them through Craigslist, and saying, hey, you know, I have an apartment for rent, but you need to fill out this free credit report uh, in order for me to be able to check your credit rating uh, prior to me. Uh, uh, you know, agreeing to show you the apartment. And people, you know, they're forcing people to go through these free credit reports to throw on their credit card, not realizing they're going to get charged 20 bucks. Uh, you know, that to me is also fraudulent. Uh, they know they're not allowed to, to push campaigns that way, and, and a lot of publishers try and get away with it, try to mask their links and, and, and do a lot of underhanded things. And, and, and that, that becomes a challenge for us. Now, the byproduct of that is now advertisers are coming back and saying, are looking at expanding the definition of fraud, and I think some advertisers are looking to take advantage of that situation and are saying, well, you know, historically on a continuity program, uh, 70% of credit cards or 70% of the people uh, will end up staying on that first month billing and won't cancel uh, their product or their, you know, their credit cards will be able to be charged. Now advertisers are coming back and trying to take that extra 30% and trying to charge it back to the network and saying, well, this is part of that fraud group that, uh, you know, uh, generated leads for us uh, five days ago. And so they're trying to increase their margins by trying to take advantage of that. And to me, that is fraudulent uh, behavior on, on behalf of the advertiser uh, because they very well know that the norm is 70% rebuild on the first month, maybe 50 or 60% on the second month, and then you know, it, it degrades after that month over month. But now they're trying to take, a, take advantage of it and saying, well, you, Mr. Network, who paid that money out to your publisher, who may be a legitimate publisher, but... Unfortunately, some of his uh, traffic that's coming in is now fraudulent. So it's not just on the publisher side, but we're now, as a network, we're starting to see uh, advertisers try to take advantage of that as well. And to me, that's also not only unethical, but it violates our terms and conditions, and they very well know that you know, that's not something that they could have gotten away with a year ago, but they're looking at taking advantage of that now. And, you know, I think I keep... I. I think when we think about regulation, um, the Federal Trade Commission, you know, they've come out with a lot of guidelines, and their sole uh, charter is to protect the consumer, and I think that's where we have existing regulation that we can rely on when it's when it is, um, you know, this the credit report for, for a false free credit report, and their charge card gets gets nailed, and the. Um, uh, the the things where where an, an individual is being you know defrauded, um, what they're not doing is is a, how does the network of the advertiser get um, when they get defrauded? They're not be, that's not being covered by the FTC. That's not being covered by anybody. I don't think. I think that's where. No, that's, you know, that's an excellent point. Like you say, everything that's being done from uh, a regulation standpoint, coming from the government has to do with protecting the consumer. And this is really totally outside that realm. And at the uh, event we had last week, the uh, Forest Marketing Leadership Summit in New York, uh, we discussed a little bit about uh, law enforcement. And, and what came to light is the fact that the law enforcement agencies don't understand our business yet. They're not even close to understanding it. They're years away. So... You know, the result of that has been that anytime you know law enforcement is, is brought in, there seems to be very few times where any kind of results have come about as a result of that. Um, so we're still a long ways away from having them understand our business 
and it's a process that's going to take a long time to educate them. So that then again throws it back into our, our laps as an industry. We're going to have to, if anyone's going to deal with this, it's going to be us, because um, there's just no no one else that's going to do it. And it's very important because, uh, you know, as we've been saying, you know, it, it feeds on itself. You know, like, uh, Jim and you were just saying that, you know, the advertisers then pile on and, you know, claim that everything is fraud because fraud it's becoming so uh, prevalent that, you know, they're just using it as a scapegoat at this point for uh, all ways of increasing their margin, which is equally wrong, of course. But um, uh, it's kind of like um, that broken windows theory, if you read The Tipping Point, and that's a theory that, uh, that they used in New York City to clean up the city. And the theory was that, you know, if, if there are a lot of broken windows on the block and, you know, graffiti on the wall, you know, then that was, people see that and they're more likely to commit a crime on that block than on a block that's, not, that's clean and looks nice. So what they started to do was clean up all the, the little things in New York, you know, the graffiti and the window washing guys and, you know, all those little things. And as they did that, then the city became, uh, started to look differently. And one of the results was that the, um, you know, crime went down because people were less likely to commit crimes in, in an environment that was, was uh, you know, looks more respectable. So I guess, you know, I'm bringing that, drawing that parallel because of what, you know, given what you said about the networks, you know, all of a sudden claiming fraud. So if we were clean, cleaner as an industry from from the ground up or where the affiliates are coming in, then that would kind of affect how the uh, advertisers behaved as well. To yeah, say nothing of attracting we... much more advertising dollars into the channel, which benefits everybody. That's a great analogy. I want to go into regulation more in the second half of the show. We do need to take a short commercial break. Affiliate Marketing Insider will be right back. Don't go anywhere. More Affiliate Marketing Insider when we return. Do you consider yourself a super affiliate? Then listen up. One of the most trusted names in affiliate marketing since 2003, XY7.com, has now launched XY7Elite.com, a private invitation-only affiliate program run by super affiliates for super affiliates. Enjoy private tested offers, weekly deposits right to your bank account or XY7 debit card, XY7 VIP concierge service, limousine transportation to and from major industry events, and the status of being one of the elite publishers. XY7 Elite is not for everyone as you need to be accepted and maintain volume requirements. Think you've got what it takes to be elite? Go to www.xy7elite.com or call 702-216-4000. 702-216-4000. Affiliatecontracts.com is an affiliate network like no other. Hands-on account management right from setup gives personal attention with continual account optimization. And our affiliates will attest our offers consistently pay more money every single day. Seriously. And hey, want to make a lot of money fast? Check out our unbeatable, I mean unbeatable insurance offers. Higher conversions with programs that are sustainable and scalable because AffiliateContracts.com is committed to you for the long run. Bigger payouts, higher conversions, and attention you expect from dedicated affiliate managers. AffiliateContracts.com. That's what the affiliate world needs. 
So you're telling me your affiliate program on the local Pages Affiliate Network is performing as well as your handicap? Absolutely. Thanks to their top-tier XML feed, I'm able to monetize all of my traffic. They handle all of my volume to anywhere in the world. Plus, I also get high cost per click and the most exclusive of advertisers to work with. You should join the club. Sounds good. I can't wait to join. But first, let's work on that tee shot. Use the power of local pages with over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings. Let Local Pages Affiliate Network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need. Become a Local Pages Affiliate today with localpages.com. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Entertainment Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. We now return to Affiliate Marketing Insider, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to the second half of Affiliate Marketing Insider. We're talking with Rebecca Madigan, Javon Manhost, and Mark Roth on the subject of affiliate fraud. In the first half of the show, we tried to find agreement on defining affiliate fraud. And in the second half, we'd like to explore regulation and what we think should be done to tackle this problem. Well, if I could start out, I'd like to talk about the new program that that I introduced last week called AffiliCert, where we are going to be certifying affiliates. So we're taking the approach not so much of blacklisting. I don't think that that is very effective because the nature of these fraudulent affiliates is that, you know, this week there, you know, Joe Smith, and we know he's bad, he's a bad guy. He gets on the list. Well, next week he, he figured that out. Next week he's, he's you know, Joe, Joe Jones or something else. So, you know, I don't think, you know, while, while it's a basic check that, of course, we should check to make sure, that an affiliate is not on one of those lists, I don't think in the long run that that's going to be very effective. So uh, affiliate cert is more based on the principle of trying to prove that the affiliate is legitimate. So we we are going to uh, allow affiliates to apply to the program, and we will run a series of screening uh, questions and checks and reference checks and various different um, screening methods that we have in place. And if those methods are passed, then we will certify the affiliate and let the networks know that the affiliate is, in fact, who they say they are, um, and that based based on our screening process that they look to be um, legitimate. And the idea at that point is that the affiliate will uh, will go to the top of the list, so to speak, and get fast-tracked into the approval process for the various networks. And that, that should be rolling out uh, by next month. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think uh, uh, we, you know it's it, the, the industry itself has to come around. Um, you know, like uh, I've said this before, and I, and I don't think the IAB is structured uh, to really address uh, sort of the unique issues that are that are prevalent in performance marketing. I think they're more for display and 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 other types of online marketing. But uh, I think the PMA uh, is a great start. Um, I don't think it's going to go anywhere unless we support it as an industry. And, and if you look at our industry, who else is really taking the initiative to really address a lot of these issues? So I, I personally am a big supporter of the PMA, and I think it's important for us um, as an industry to come together and say, you know, how can we really get this organization to not only be 
uh, a great tool for us to be able to, to, to fight some of these challenges we're having here, but also become a lobby group for us uh, to be able to fight maybe some regulations that may end up coming down on, on the industry. And I think affiliate cert is the same exact thing. I think, um, you know, as an industry, we got to get around um, certification programs, training programs, and really pick the top ones that we think would really uh, benefit the industry as a whole. And, and if we get enough of the leaders together to say, you know, this is what we'd like to do and this is a start, uh, and, and I think it's, it's a great starting point. Uh, it's going to really allow us to come up with something, I think, in, in, in less than a year, maybe even a shorter time period, if, if, if we're really diligent about this to really tackle these and, uh, you know, a slew of other issues that are in the industry and, and a slew of other issues that are going to pop up as we grow out. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, networks and, and affiliates now who uh, have done a lot of the sort of uh, gray market, black market stuff uh, within North America are now starting to expand into Europe because they figure there's less regulation there and that industry doesn't know about performance marketing as, as well as, or those markets don't know uh, as much about performance marketing as North America does. And they feel that they can get away with some of the same tactics and you're going to start seeing fraudulent issues start popping up overseas and how are you know, we going to combat this, whether it's through underhanded means or what have you in regards to promotion. And, and, and you know, we really need to, to nip that in the bud before we start destroying market after market after market. And the next thing you know, not only is there North American regulation, but there's European and Asian and, 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 and regulation in other parts of the world that really will hamper the growth of this industry. And, and I think if we start this now, we can really prevent a lot of that and really create a lot of growth opportunity for ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I'm obviously fully supportive of what you say, and and I think, Mark, what what you're talking about too is an, is provides an interesting opportunity for networks. Uh, I've talked to a number of, of network folks, and Jivan, maybe you can, you know, put your your perspective on this too. But you know, for a network to put out a black ball list, that's that's kind of um, that's kind of challenging, especially if they're wrong, if they make a mistake. And um, especially to the advertisers that may be um, actually benefiting um, pretty well from some of this fraudulent activity, and they're the ones that are turning, you know, a blind eye to it. It, it creates a, I can see it, it creates a PR problem for, for a network. Same with the white hat concept if a network is to do it, because, you know, they don't want to give away the names and identity, identities of their best publishers. So having... Um, Mark, you take on a certification element is really excellent because it allows a, a very level playing field for then the network and the advertiser to decide how to recruit these people. What you know, what are to focus on the business issues and not get hung up on the, the legitimacy issues. So all of a sudden, the, the discussion and the debate is over the partnership and how much opportunity there is to grow the partnership as opposed to mistrust. Starting with trust is, is, you know, would hopefully see results a lot sooner for these these programs than having to go through a screening process first. Well, that's our goal is to take that screening process and, you know, move it further up the chain so that by the time the affiliates get into the uh, approval process of the networks, they've already been through that. We've been, you know, in fact, today we had a call with several of the, you know, major networks, and everybody seems to be behind what what we're doing um, with this. And um, I think that we're going to have, you know, the support of of most of the networks, and they're all looking forward to it. Um, and you know, my philosophy has always been that you know, a, a good plan today is is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. So you know, this may not be perfect, but we're going to roll ahead and we're going to adjust it and tweak it as we go 
but the main thing is that we get something going, and we're going we're, we're going to do that. And I think by December we'll start to see that live, where we'll, we'll actually be taking uh, affiliate applications by some point in December. Yeah, but I think there's one thing that both of you guys brought up, which is going to be a real challenge for networks working with other networks, is the trust issue. Um, you know, we don't trust each other. We, we just flat out don't, and that's a huge hurdle for us to overcome. Um, you know, we. You know, we networks do a lot of underhanded things to get business from from other publishers and and, and advertisers. Uh, networks will fly you halfway across the world and spend twenty thousand dollars if you're a top publisher to be able to keep your business exclusively. They're not going to want to give that information up to anyone, regardless of uh, of how safe a a, a white list is and, and and you know whether somebody can hack it or not. Um, you know, networks drive right. fraudulent traffic to other networks to, to screw up your relationship with an advertiser. I sat with an advertiser who flew to Toronto to, to meet with us um, over dinner, and, 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 you know, he was a little upset because his diet offer wasn't getting as much traffic as some of the other diet offers we were running on the on our network, and, and it had nothing to do with us not giving it attention. It just um, had other challenges. But, you know, his, his, his remark to me was... Um, Oh, you're you're probably owned by these other advertisers. I'm like, well, what do you mean owned? Uh, he goes, well, you know, I just had some meetings with another company in Toronto, and uh, they offered me a fifty thousand dollar Rolex in order for me to run exclusively with them. Uh, and he's like, I'm sure you've got, I'm sure you're owned by your advertisers. I said, well, uh, I don't like the implication that you think I take a bribe to run up the people's campaigns. I don't work that way. But that's the nature of the industry. And that's who we're dealing with when we say, let's get together, trust each other, and, and, and be able to, you know, work uh, collectively to, to solve these issues. And, and I hate to say it, but, I, you, know, it's, unless, unless, uh, you know, unless we really grow up as an industry and realize that, you know, we're basically just shooting ourselves in the head here, uh, you know, we really got to overcome some of those challenges. I mean, uh, you know, there's you know, networks that will pay for guys to go to strip clubs and do all this uh, you know, crazy stuff at uh, at trade shows. Well, that's a business. And yeah, that's you see that in any business, but um, yeah. but but I think you're absolutely right in that yeah. in that um, people seem to be sacrificing, you know, ethical behavior or legal behavior for some sort of near term game. But we're but you know we're missing the whole big picture that that eliminating that fraud attracts way more money into this channel. So everybody will who's doing legitimate business will. You'll make a lot more money running a legitimate campaign um, if we can keep the the industry clean than just just trying to get a couple bucks here and now. You know that flash and burn and move on to the next one or move on to the well, next network or move on to the next advertiser. Yeah, the challenge right, is that's, that's how the industry is. That's the sensible long term really view. And unfortunately, our society in general, you know, and, and in business especially, doesn't think long term. It's always short term. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's very short-sighted for networks to to think that they're gonna you know hoard this information and uh, that it's it's going to benefit them you know to to hoard the information and not share information. Now, I think you know that's that's my my holy grail you know as far as making a true affiliate certification program. The holy grail to me is certainly. Uh, getting the networks to share information on who who their good affiliates are, and when I say good, I just mean legitimate, um, and that are not fraudulent, and basically those with track records. Um, and I don't know if and when that's going to happen. And the reason for that reason, my initial affiliate cert program is, does not have that component. It doesn't have the component of of 
basically sharing information between the networks because from all my conversations with the networks, I, I just don't think it's feasible at this point. So we're going to start by doing our, our own checks uh, on the affiliate and hopefully at some point as the program grows and we build more trust with the networks, we, we'll get to that point at some point down the, down the road. But, you, you know, you speak to, to something else that there are plenty of legitimate publishers out there, but we come from this this legacy of them not wanting people to know who they are or what they're doing, largely because of competitiveness. You know, they don't want anybody to find out what keywords they're doing or how their sites are behaving or how they structure their ads compared to their content. Um, and so that kind of has to change too, I think. I mean, I think the legitimate guys need to come out of the closet, if you will, and, um, you know, engage in the industry. Because I think that, again, leads to more positive outcomes. You know, if, they can, if they're face-to-face with their advertisers, they're going to be able to negotiate better deals than if they're, you know, being secret, having these secret identities. Right. Well, I don't think we need to go that deep into what they're doing, you know, to, to prove one way or another what type of affiliate they are. We do need to know basically what the source of their traffic is, but we don't need to know to the level of keywords and ads and, you know, really proprietary things like that. But we do certainly need to know, you know, the types of traffic that they're, that they're driving. Yeah, I think it's, you know, whether somebody's trying to hide or not, if, if there's somebody that's really doing a lot of volume, uh, on a particular campaign, and you see there's links within Google and Yahoo and, and the various different media sites, um, you know, you can, you can pretty much pick up that, okay, this is a pretty, uh, pretty large publisher. He's, he seems to be driving a lot of traffic because he's everywhere. Uh, and, and, you know, for the most part, uh, you can find out what their links are and what their, you know, AF ID is on various different networks. If you're once exclusively with CJ, you, you can get that information and understand, oh, this guy is fairly large and and you can start reverse engineering how they're doing things. You may not know who the individual is, but you can certainly figure out how they're promoting and, um, you know, where they're promoting. You, you, you can't necessarily be inside their head and, and, and figure out, you know, smarts that they've got to be able to do certain things. But I think to, to, to that extent, I think not everybody's going to come out of the woodworks and, and say, yes, I want to be a part of this whitelist and, and so I can join, uh, you know, so when I join a network, I'll, I'll be whitelisted and, and be able to get in, in easily. But I think uh, coupled with the whitelist, uh, there's a certain amount of uh, information you may want to ask somebody if they're coming in and you can't verify them one way or the other. And part of it is referrals within the industry. Uh, you know, if, they're, if they've been around long enough, uh, somebody in the industry is going to know them. Other people know them, and, and there's ways to verify individuals. But I think a whitelist is a great start. I think a blacklist is also good to have. Uh, you know, you, you're going to see the same IP addresses rotated uh, quite a bit as they're replying to various different networks. Um, you know, they do use a lot of the same addresses. Uh, our bank's been a, a fantastic help in being able to, you know, we asked them that if any checks that, we sent a check to some guy in San Francisco and the check's trying to be cashed in China, stop it. So I think there's other ways of really being able to fight fraud in general uh, as an industry and, and really work with, with banks as well because we're really starting to be in question as an industry when you're seeing a lot of volume going through your bank accounts because networks can literally go from nothing to millions of dollars overnight. Uh, so I think it, 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 it's in our best interest to look outside of our industry as well and say, you know, how can some of our outside partners, such as our banks and, and merchant account companies, help us to, to combat this, this as well? And I think that 
then that gets back to the better regulation. It gets back to us, you know, not trying to be closed in internally and, and say, how can we just help each other? But it gets inclusive with everybody else outside of our industry as well who supports the growth of this industry and helps us in order to get to where we are and want to go as an industry. And I think that really looks good with the regulators, such as the FTC and, and other people who may be taking a look at us. But I think if, if, if we can, again, I mean, it goes back to an industry association that can, uh, lobby on our behalf and work on our behalf to be able to really, um, you know, go beyond the, uh, the performance marketing industry and, and really create great relationships and great ways to be able to uh, to take advantage of this. Because now the other challenge, because there's so much fraud going on in the industry, is merchant accounts are are, st- are, are limiting the number of the amount of volume you can do uh, you know, with certain types of programs within performance marketing. They're limiting, they're even refusing to work with certain types of campaigns in the industry now uh, because so much fraud and chargebacks are happening. And then that's going to hamper us moving forward as well. So, I mean, if we can't work with banks and we can't work with merchant accounts on certain types of campaigns, I mean, that, that limits us as an industry as well as to how quickly we can grow and, and the size of our growth as well annually. So, uh, and I want to go back to that. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. I want to go back to that, you know, what is the next step? And one of the things we haven't really talked about, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Rebecca, as we wrap up, is um, what does, I mean, clearly we think that industry insight is going to be better than having the FTC come in and regulate the industry. And it seems that the PMA would be the logical choice to kind of lead this. Do you have a timeline or anything specific that you are going to be doing on this issue moving forward to try to take that first step? We have the beginning of a timeline, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that I think um, Mark's event last week and, and the subsequent press about it and the, and the buzz about having this dialogue brought it in the open, that was a real kickstart, I think, to, to start bringing this, um, this issue, uh, in, engage a lot of different people. And that's, that's our strategy is we need to open the dialogue and make it very broad. We, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about what networks should do, but I think there's a good debate to have is with, uh, who, who owns the problem? Is it the advertiser that owns the problem? Is it the network that owns the problem? Um, uh, who should enforce it? And so, um, Hosting that dialogue is a big part of what we want to do. We also um, have under development the draft of a code of conduct. I think that's something that the PMA at the very least can can put out that says this is acceptable behavior in an affiliate marketing channel. And that certainly addresses fraud, but I think it goes a little further to talk about those gray areas, those 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 uh, the ethical behavior and and the contractual behavior that again our our process is to be, is to um, we're working on a draft internally with our advertising practices working group and that will then be um, put out to our other members for comments as well this is something that is very important for people throughout the industry and all of our members to be able to participate in and chime in. So you'll see us hosting some similar kinds of webinars and discussions. And, and Wade, I would love the opportunity to be back on this event and uh, uh, continue the dialogue in a public forum. Absolutely, Rebecca. This topic could take up several more shows and deserves to. Uh, unfortunately, this is all the time we have in this episode, but we will return to this topic and I'd like to have you all back once that code of conduct is published so we can keep moving these steps forward and keep talking about it and getting the word out to the industry. I'd like to thank my guests, Rebecca, Yvonne, and Mark for joining us today. And I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to another edition of Affiliate Marketing Insider. 
We'll be back again every Thursday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for joining us.